have an announcement and a complaint. Ooh, announcements. Okay, announcement is I'm wearing my Verify in Field shirt from The Hustle Architect. Ah, nice. Yes, I, I like uh, this shirt. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. How many times have you used Verify in Field as a response to someone? <laughs> I don't or think I, I mean, I've seen it a lot. I mean, uh, that's why I like this shirt. But yeah, it it, it was my, my son was like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to go through this big old process. And I said, and then there's the shirt, right? Which is you hmm. know, a play on words. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to put a, a link to it and the proceeds for the shirts go to things that are worth pursuing. So I'm going to put a link to it in the, cool. in the show notes. My complaint um, now. Whoa. You need to hear my complaint. No, I'll be moving. No, go ahead. You need, you need to, you need to go to the uh, complaint department. <laughs> uh, somebody <laughs> i'll give you a quarter to call somebody who gives up anyway uh-huh. <laughs> yeah oh, what, what you got <laughs> i sent you some pictures the other day oh did, i got no I? response i got none i got nothing oh, and and i was expecting something like the whole point of sending images to other people is to elicit a response <laughs> And so I, I, I kind of have a sense of why I didn't get a response because my photos just weren't good enough. Is oh, what I think. The, yeah, because that's usually a problem with you. Well, they were they weren't they weren't amazing photos or anything. So so I could see why you might think this. But I, there's an angle here. I have an angle that I, we need to discuss. So I sent you some pictures of the Milky Way. Did you do you remember receiving such images? Mm-hmm. You can't say no. You can't cop out. (laughs) We'll say yes. Sure. (laughs) Oh, man. You're making me sorry I even brought this up, aren't you? The the candy bar? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, not the candy bar. Oh, okay. Oh, yes gosh. i actually now that you're, you're like scrolling back right now. no 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 now that now that we're talking about it yes i do recall said these are these are not amazing photos, I, I, I granted, but these are handheld shots with an iPhone 13 in Joshua Tree National Park with a 10 second long, you know, computer augmented <laughs> stabilization system. Uh, this is DSLR quality from seven or so years ago, I want to say. It's, they're not amazing images, but it is absolutely incredible what you can do with a handheld photography device slash phone slash alarm clock nowadays. Yeah, you say that now. I recall, and apologies for mm-hmm. not ignoring, not just ignoring, full on ignoring. <laughs> those aren't good. Those aren't good pictures. That's no, I, no, that's what well, I. That's what I got. That's what you took. Uh, you know, apologies. Those stupid Milky Way pictures that you shot with your candy bar size device holding it with your hands <laughs> exactly well what's amazing about this and and actually i i remember um back when i had an iphone 8 and i was sitting next to you or standing next to you actually while you had 12 and you were taking it you were in dc and you were taking a picture a nighttime shot of the Jefferson Memorial. That's where we were at when I, when you first did the, and you know, first it was a longer exposure and I was really amazed at the fact that like, wait, 
in which is one of the reasons why when the 13 came out i you know went and got one of those even though i have we both have you know fancy dslrs because you you've actually said it best the best camera you have is the one that's with you you know i i know but but you you've you've said it a few times and, and because as you say that with the images that you took at Joshua Tree that I shamefully, not shamelessly, shamefully <laughs> slipped there. Dang. <laughs> exactly. Um, did not respond to. I, I belong to a Facebook group for parents of students who go to Northern Michigan University. And most recently, they've been having a lot of Northern Lights happening there. And some of the photographs of some of the kids who've been taking kids who've been taking pictures of the northern lights who just are, have iPhones or whatever who who just have, well you know iPhone 13s or 13 pro or whatever but i mean the pictures that they're taking are amazing i mean you get to see you know the ribbon effect you get to see kind of like a little bit of streaking you get to see stars in the background you know every once in a great while you know the memories come up of like pictures that you took I don't know, a decade ago or so at, on Facebook, it's just like, you know, share a memory from 12 years ago. However, wow, look at the quality of that picture. And, and I even recall. Yeah, like, the, I am not going to reshare that picture. Exactly. It's just like, <laughs> eh, maybe not. Right. And I even recall the pre-iPhone pictures that I'd taken on my Palm Trio 750. <laughs> um fancy camera exactly I'm and, a fancy and, pocket camera and and that one was like one of the fancier nicer cameras and it looked like the pictures that were taken of bigfoot yeah you know <laughs> nessie exactly exactly yep. and it is really honestly amazing how far technology has come yeah yeah um end of rant that's all it is. It is incredible. It's handheld. Like, and, and when I say a DSLR of like seven years ago, I mean like on a tripod, like locked down, right? It's doing a 10 second long exposure handheld is obscene that that's even something that it attempts to do. Right. So I attempted to take some pictures of the bridge you know, the Macnow bridge and the long exposure, the, the 10 second long exposure, they didn't turn out. But. Yeah, I know it has to be like the right conditions. I'm I'm like holding it against the bed of my truck as hard as I can, trying not to move so at you're all. The human tripod. I, yeah, I'm, I'm using anything I can gotcha. to stabilize because I think the max handheld really is about three seconds. That's yeah, kind of their standard uh, long shutter. If you if you go deeper in the settings, you can go longer than three seconds. But at that point, you really have to be kind of as locked down as you can be. So, right. No tripod though. I mean, it's, yeah. Tri does the truck count as a tripod? <laughs> yeah, it depends. <laughs> I guess. I mean, so, it could. It was pretty cool though. Like we went out there, it's been epically hot. I mean, it's incredibly hot in the Southern California. It's funny. If you look at like the, the picture of the whole world, it's the hottest place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, at Actually, funny enough, when you sent me that picture, um, the screenshot of how hot it was where you were. And working on a project in Riyadh, you, the high for you was higher than the high 
for Riyadh. That's incredible. Right. So perspective yeah. there, man. Ugh. Yeah. So we, we went out and spent the night at Joshua tree. I got a campsite out there and we just, you know, camped out and slept in the back of the truck, looking at the stars. It was a new moon. So it was a great night to, to watch, you know, Milky way in a dark sky area. And it was just amazing. You could see it. No, no telescope needed. It was absolutely incredible. So, uh, it was, and it was surprisingly not too hot at night. I think it got all the way down to 74 degrees. <laughs> Which was fine. It was totally fine for sleeping outside. Yeah, that was that's the high today. Oh, shut up! <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it, it was got up to like one hundred eight the other day. Oh, it's just to put a number on it. And and actually, today though, it's been really humid because it, some raindrops fell from the sky here in Southern California today. Supposedly, there's a hurricane moving its way up from Baja, California into our region, which probably is going to wreak havoc in Joshua Tree and Palm Desert. There's going to be some major, major flash flooding and like roads are just going to disintegrate. Rename the Pacific typhoons as hurricanes. I guess so. Because I I think, I think they did. They, they've appropriated the, the terminology. Can't Florida just keep one thing? <laughs> I mean, everybody. I think everyone would be happy if Florida kept a lot of things in Florida. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's now Florida man everywhere. In every the every now. every state has a their version a, of Florida man. Yeah, yeah. Oof. That's a good meme worth following. If anybody is like, "What? What are you talking about?" Well, uh, you got anything worth talking about? Well. So, as one would expect, there was a follow-up to this conversation about quiet quitting. More information, yes. More information. So, it, although, you know, it was kind of interesting uh, before I get into um, this article that I was reading, there was just memes floating around about that. And they were like, and one of them was just like, you know, quiet quitting really isn't a new thing i mean gen xers have been doing quiet quitting since they entered the workforce all it was was just you know setting an expectation for yourself and i was like you know that's interesting however i know plenty of gen xers who don't follow the the quiet quitting or setting boundaries and you know working your nine to five well yeah there's that part of it right which i think trevor noah had uh, a quip about this which was like we used to call it doing your job exactly exactly <laughs> so not only was there an article you know from the new york times but then um uh read something in the washington post as well and then of course all of the memes followed it's just like because of quiet quitting you know now's there's the quiet firing and you're like huh oh, of course you know, in a way, because I've been talking to a handful of people, just, you know, our, our close, you know, knit friends and stuff talking about their impressions of it. And, you know, because they range in ages, millennials, Gen Zers, Gen Xers, and if you're not willing to give that 110% or, you know, go above and beyond, you know, there are people out there willing to to do that. And there's obviously conversations that we can have about it that why is going above and beyond the demand for at least the standard? So if it, instead of going above and beyond, you know, just say I expect a, a decent level of 
attention and prioritization of your work throughout the day, you know, maybe not like, you know, spending time on your phone and stuff like that, just focus on yours, which most people that I know actually do, you know, just do that, you know, or because they may end up working, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, then it's okay to maybe every once a great while check your phone or look at life outside of your computer screens and things like that. But they were talking about this. Now, again, most of everything that we've talked about on last episode and, you know, potentially today doesn't really, you know, none of these articles really deal with the architectural world and, and sometimes don't really apply to kind of like the life that we live or have chosen to live or have subjugated ourselves to living or however you want to put it. The point that they were making is like, if you're not willing to give it your all and give it a hundred, that 110%, that above and beyond, then there are other people out there. And I'm like, boy, do you, are you like completely out of touch with the reality of the job market? Cause guess what? No, there aren't. <laughs> there are not people out there right now. Everybody's looking for anybody as I jokingly refer to it as a breath and a pulse. Mm-hmm. You know, there are no, there is. You know, there is no help coming. You can scream all you want to and no help is coming. Oh, it's like a horror film. Yeah, exactly. What I got out of the the articles were how fair is that to your team that if if demanding more than, you know, your 40 hours a week is the standard, then pay them for those additional hours pay them the time and a half or readdress their salary the way that they do it or give bonuses or something else or provide comp time above and beyond your normal agreed upon PTO. Something to actually say that if you're willing to put in the extra effort, because let's be honest with you, architecture, we somewhat demand extra effort because of the way that the system works right now, right? That, you know, sometimes we, as we were talking about the poor planning, sometimes we just have to pull a few extra hours. And so if we are pulling those extra hours, if you are expecting somebody to go above and beyond, why not, why not reciprocate that gesture that they're giving you because you've agreed upon a certain allotted amount of time to then give back to them? And that that's where that's where the disconnect of a lot of these, you know, people who are drawing the line in the sand, you know, when we talked about some of the stance that people had in, uh, you know, when we were talking about some of the comments on the Andre Architect uh, site. And when you read some of the comments from some of these articles where people are just like, you know, back in my day, we just put our head down and did the work until we had to. And if it was 80 hours, it was 80 hours. It's like, I'm sure your children really love that. Oh, you didn't have time for children? Okay, then. You well, know. I mean, this is uh, this is actually the subject, of the current place I'm in, in a book that I'm just started reading called "From Strength to Strength." Did I tell you about this already? So it's a book uh, by uh, an individual named Arthur C. Brooks, and he's basically laying out a thesis of these two curves in life. Uh, There's like this initial curve called the fluid 
curve. And then there's this later curve called the crystallized curve. And it's all about successfully navigating from one curve to the other, because, uh, as you know, you're, you're most, especially in creative fields, you're most creative and your most innovative ideas come at earlier ages. They come in your twenties and maybe in your thirties, but there is a decline that happens to everyone naturally. And we are very much in denial that this happens for the most part. And so later on in life, when you just don't have those creative, innovative ideas anymore, but you still want to be having them, like that's where the denial comes in, or you feel like you still have them. But there's actually this kind of shift that needs to happen from this, what they call that fluid intelligence to this to this crystallized intelligence which you become more of a teacher and a mentor and uh, your role changes and not too many people who are very much strivers is what he calls them in the book are kind of well positioned to move into this crystallized intelligence because they long for those fluid intelligence things so badly and i see this so much in architecture Right. It's uh, it's very much kind of a I don't know. The ego has a lot to do with it. And obviously, we've always been taught to we've been trained to work like this and to think like this and to solve these kinds of problems and to work people through these big ideas into something that becomes an actual thing. And there's a lot of glory and authorship and success in that process and then there's like kind of this other dirty side of it right <laughs> which kind of gets to this quiet quitting stuff and the toxic cultures and things like that that actually are the engine behind the things on the surface but this idea of moving from this one curve that naturally declines and jumping onto this other curve that actually extends your career and your usefulness and that something you can get a lot of satisfaction out of Lot, a lot longer throughout life I th- is very interesting to me, right? So it just made me think of that because this this whole idea of of moving from one into the other and becoming a teacher and becoming a mentor and enabling others to be their best innovative creative selves at their younger ages, which is a very natural human thing, and getting a lot of um, satisfaction out of that for all the parties involved is could be a, a very big thing. I'd say that as interesting as that sounds, and, and it, it really does, it also worries me that extending your usefulness, you're never going to retire. <laughs> well, people know? are living longer too, right? Yeah. But but yeah, I think uh, you know that I think that was kind of a common refrain as he was researching the book was like, I'm going to leave this profession horizontal not vertical (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah well i mean you know if you're really finding that satisfaction and you really are useful and you can provide more for the youth than others are then that's value and maybe you should be doing that because it's keeping you sharp and it's and you're being effective you know and 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 that's what i find is the interesting part is because i do feel uh, let's just say that I, i don't know if I can't say that I'm in my twilight of my career, but I am, you know, in the middle of the career where, you know, there are extraordinarily bright young talent coming in that are, that are just, you know, because of the changing scope and changing, you know, just landscape of architecture, you know, both from 
the way that we design to the tools that we use to design and things like that, you know, sometimes I do sit back and I wonder where my usefulness is. But then I, I, I sit down and I start to think about how I can, you know, one, both learn from them, but also teach them. And say, okay, you've got all of this great useful knowledge of the tools um, to be able to create, but I've got the practical knowledge of being able to create. Yeah, it's called experience and right. and wisdom, right? Like yes, you, yes, yes. That those and those are things that are very prevalent in older generations and not as prevalent in the younger generations. And so there is a complementary nature to those things. I mean, that's something that we're very interested in connecting. At Tech, right? This is one of the reasons I I went to work at Tech, and one of the reasons we've built a platform to connect people is because you know there's so much information and data out there, but and and, and those are kind of like the f- the first things that a lot of people go to, right? Those are when when what do, what do you do when you're looking for something? Like what is what does anybody do who's in architecture? They, they Google it, right? <laughs> it's like I go look for the thing on the internet, the all knowing oracle of all things. Is it right? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to spend a few hours to try to figure that out. Okay, well, you know, our thesis is, well, let's put you in contact with somebody who actually knows and they can tell you in 20 minutes what's going to work faster than more better information than you could get by downloading an outdated PDF and a, a detail library component that you have to modify three times over with you know and schedule a meeting with a project architect to get their low down their input no like just talk to an expert that to me is by marrying up this these two valuable pieces of the puzzle the young innovative creative with the older knowledgeable wisdom based experienced person you you get the best of all of it yeah you know because you know back to what i was kind of chatting about the that, that wisdom that you're, you know, we're just highlighting. Uh, I'll give you a, you know, just a practical example of just some things that have been happening on my project is, you know, we, we've got a bunch of trellises, you know, some of the trellises are wall mounted and then others are just freestanding. And some of the ones that are wall mounted, I'm looking at the way that they modeled and it's, you know, modeled where, you know, essentially we want to do that. But then when you cut a section through there and you're looking at it, it's like, okay, well, how do you make it stand? And it, and that's where, you know, when they look at it, it's just like, well, you know, that's, I don't want to trivialize it the way because, because they're not this way, but you know, when they say, you know, well, this is the way that, that Revit drew it, <laughs> it, Dude, this you know, takes me back to that episode where we were talking about shade structures and how it didn't cast the shade where it needed to be cast. Oh right? yeah. 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 Well, that's but, how we just drew it in the software, and it was exactly, fine. Yeah. exactly, right. and and so obviously, you know, love the, but the love hate relationship, but the you know love love Zoom to be able to like just grab my stylus and just start drawing over the top of it and say, well, you know, for this to be able to do this, we've got to do this, and that's where the symbiotic relationship of you know people who know how to who have a mastery of the software and pairing them up with the people who kind of understand how things stand up and how, you know, to be able to achieve a design, you know, you can do it this way. Kind of like what you're talking about is marrying them up with people who have the, you know, the knowledge and the understanding of how to, to how things go together. And, and, and that's where, you know, I kind of see 
my values, being able to look at and say, okay, this is a creative design, but let's, let's figure out how we make this design work and then talk about what are the limitations or what are the opportunities of, you know, materials and things like that and, and how we can actually achieve those, those design ideas. That that's the thing that I think is, you, you know, where <laughs> I guess it all goes back to the, you know, where the value of the aging are coming from. Well, what's funny is that there is a disconnect in leadership when it comes to attracting talent, which is, I think, some a topic that we've recently covered. And right, we we had that episode called "Know Anyone Interested," and it was about the kind of lackluster job posts that are out there, where it's just like, "Hey, we're hiring," you know, and they're not really standing out. But there's not a good narrative being painted here because that culture maybe doesn't exist in a majority of architectural firms across the country, which is, and this is a, a response to our episode that I'm going to read right now that comes from my boss, right? He said, love this episode. At the heart of this is a fair question. Are we being unique, talented, opinionated, respect worthy people on teams or bodies in roles? What's the question that senior people ask a young candidate when they're sitting at the table it's like what software do you know do you know revit and i think this also kind of gets to the heart of this dissatisfaction that we're seeing in quiet quitting right which is like i'm just going to do the minimum because i'm not a respected member of a team that you see this bi-directional or symbiotic relationship happening on. I'm not learning from you. You're not learning from me. I'm a cog in your machine. And so guess what? I'm going to act like a cog in your machine, right? And that is kind of the backlash that you see from those older generation people on the Entree Architect Forum or anywhere. Like it doesn't have to just be architecture, right? But it's just like, these people just don't go above and beyond. They don't, they're not striving like I was a striver. They're not hungry, right? They're not putting in their, they're not hustling for this. They're not bleeding for the project. And it's like, well, how do you treat them? Yeah. And I think this starts to lead into this kind of quiet firing kind of thing too. Do you treat them like a tool that uses just, it's just like, you know, I hired you to draft. I hired you to do these details. But these are the same people who are craving to learn, okay, I'm clicking away at all of this stuff, but what does it mean? And if, yeah, and because if they don't get a taste of that part of it that you just said, then they lose their taste for all of it. Exactly. You know, and, and then it's just like, okay, well, then why am I killing myself? Why am I staying till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night to do all of this stuff for you? When what is in it for me? And it's not a selfish attitude. It's a, a growth attitude. It's a, you know, where's my personal development? You eventually are going to want to retire. You should be grooming me to take over your job. So then you can take over the job that's uh, ahead of you. And so then ultimately you can, you know, ride off into the sunset. I mean, say that all the time. I was like, but nobody ever really thinks about that kind of secession of knowledge 
leaders do, but that is a, that is a, yeah, you don't see it very often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what leadership is. But, well, maybe I'm a little jaded right at this present moment or whatever, <laughs> but you would love to say that that is what leadership is. But a lot of times leadership are trying to fill a void or this vacuum that they have of like, you know, Hey, we don't have enough people to do this job. We said, yes, we've said yes to doing this job. We've got to get this, you know, we've got to get people to get this job. It's just like, okay, let's go hire some people. So it's just a reactionary because they failed the yeah, plan, right? Exactly. And so they don't ask that question. It's like, okay, what do you want out of the relationship that we're building here? You know, we don't, a lot of times you're right. It is absolutely. Let's sit down and talk about what you, you know, what programs do you know? Not, okay, what programs do you know, but what do you want to get out of them? What, you know, what are you lacking in your understanding of those programs or just how the implementation of utilizing that tool? Because, you know, we know that they're only tools. They're computerized pencils, right? Well, and look at, look at the buildings that, that we're quote unquote designing. They all look the same people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so, so architecture form follows software, right? It's like, I mean, that I've been complaining about that for decades, at least. I mean, it's just, it's incredible to me to watch the design language. It's just basically how the push-pull tool works in SketchUp, right? It's, that was, that was where we started to really see that. And, and, and now we see it in all the tools because they're all trying to kind of get it down to the lowest common denominator ease of use. And it's real. And that's to me, what is so incredible about looking at all this AI generated imagery with mid journey. And, you know, like this is a whole bucket that I'm about to dump out here. Right. But this, this is another subject, but like this stuff is inspiring. Guess what? The software we have, the software that most of us use cannot do anything like this. Let a, like you, we don't, we shouldn't even be talking about constructability and all of these things, but but it's inspiring to look at. And this is why people are so freaking excited about it because it, it's like, oh my God, we're dreaming again, right? We're not, we're not just modeling horizontal and vertical walls that frame some opening and, you know, that, that we've seen on every single building today that that's getting through construction. Right. And it's funny that you said that. And I sent you this text, but a friend of mine, you know, said, so after using Midjourney for over a month, in my humble opinion, it's going to dramatically increase the value of architects with technical knowledge and experience. If designers can't detail and figure out their own ideas, the AI will replace them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she's right. I mean, she's absolutely right. And, and so this is where that symbiotic relationship between the people who can use that software and, and really try to understand it and the people who know how things put, can be put together. I mean, I've been able to, in my career, do some pretty creative things with kind of like just the standard off the shelf stuff that doesn't look or feel like it's standard and off the shelf because I understand its possibilities and its limitations and try to morph and stretch and change things at, at my will so that we can achieve a design that we actually like and to be able to marry up people like that like me with people who have got you know like or the ai or whatever that are able to kind of like push 
the creativity, but understand the constructability is going to push us. And then, so going back to this, tying it back into quiet quitting and all that other stuff, rather than sitting back and saying, well, I'm only going to give you my, you know, nine to five, because I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm not feeling growth. I'm not feeling like this is a two-way street. You know, when you start to actually have these symbiotic relationships with, and I don't know if I'm using the term correctly, but I am, I'm going to just, you know, keep going with it for now. But this relationship between all of the different people's knowledges, you know, I don't even want to say like the limitation of their knowledge. It's just like, because you can pair people up that have this knowledge and that knowledge and that knowledge and create some incredibly beautiful things if you work as a team, if you work together. More and, than what you could have done right. with any one of the people alone, just adding those those traits together. It's it's the sum is greater than that. Yeah. And instead of, you know, so getting out of that silo and getting into the field where you're like able to graze. <laughs> Can't believe I just said that. But anyway. <laughs> um, but I mean is a farm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we're all uh, yeah. Yep. Moo. <laughs> <laughs> but but honestly. I mean, that's when we as a team can can really start to push each other. And that, that's when people start to feel the value of, oh, you're actually listening to me. Oh, I'm actually contributing. Oh, I'm actually learning things that I wanted to learn from you and, and vice versa. Everybody could be able to say those, just those little things that will actually help develop them. And so there's a growth in the youth and there's an extension of the experience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that you and it's not to say that no no firm has this figured out. There are firms that definitely have this figured out. Um and and I love reading people talking about working at these places and saying like this is the best place I've ever worked. And like I think a lot of times I see people posting things like that after they've left like cuz they're going to go on and do something else. Like we don't have the same I don't it's not ethic. It's just like we don't have the same feelings about working for a company for 30 years that that my grandparents did right so it's it's just like no i'm gonna go try something else now i'm gonna do something else now i'm I'm following some other calling some other something that's important and there's they're then posting and saying like look this was the these are the most amazing people i've ever worked with these are the best projects i've ever done in my and and so they're incredibly you know positive about and so we know these exist and they're but they are the the exception Right. I think that that's the thing that I that I come back to with this is that like it's not, we're, we are generalizing, but these places do exist. And I think what's interesting is when people do put it out there that these are the places that that enable this kind of work, that enables this kind of team, that enables this kind of culture. Those companies can capitalize on that. And then it makes its way back into the job postings if they're smart about it and they can attract more talent that wants to work in that kind of a environment, right? And, and by doing all this, you do get the snowball effect started to just build momentum over time to say, like, we're changing the culture. We're changing the culture of architecture, capital A architecture. And it, that to me is, is when, like, that's where the real work is happening. So what is quiet firing? This was the follow-up, right? The the follow-up to quiet quitting is quiet firing, where 
they essentially say, okay, well, if you're not willing to put in that extra, we won't give you any responsibilities. We won't, you won't see the benefits of, of this. You'll just get your, your, your pay. It's like a silent retaliation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's quiet. I guess it's in the name, but, but this idea is that they're actually firing people, but but minimizing the amount of information shared, right? Which is a, a huge complaint in across the, I don't know if it matters what state you're in or what company you work for, but that's typically like the least information possible is shared because there is some fear that <laughs> the retaliation train will continue. Well, it's, yeah, it, right. it's kind of like the, okay, if you're going to do the minimum, then we're going to do the minimum and, and we'll see who breaks. So, yeah, it's like you a know? dare. Who exactly? Uh, who's gonna break? Who's gonna get quit who, who or get fired? For, for, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That that's totally it. Yes. This is a quiet game of chicken. <laughs> you know, and, and and if that's not a level of toxicity that is just absolutely horrid to our profession, I don't know what is. And this is not aimed at our profession, but we totally we do see it there. I mean, it's not like it is. It it we we do see it. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. As I as I said, the disclaimer of like these articles that I was reading, none of them were geared towards architecture, you know, because this current state of um, the union for architecture, we can't. I mean, unless you're just horrible at your job, I mean, you're going to keep your job because we need people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. There is some security right now in that. Yeah, right. The one thing that I guess we haven't really talked about is that, you know, if there's quiet quitting going on or if there's quiet firing going on, I mean, what has leadership or the employee done to address and have this conversation with each other to really kind of discuss, okay, well, why are you only doing the bare minimum way? I only see you, your, your green light pops on. Let's go back to the tyranny of green light. Man, we're just referencing every past episode recently. This exactly. Is, this is amazing. I see you at 8.30 and I see you leave at 5.30. I see you go away at lunch. I see you, you know, I see you where show you? up at your computer when yeah. work is supposed to start. And I see you leaving your computer when work is supposed to stop. Like, Why is that? Exactly. <laughs> Why aren't you putting more in? Why, why have you? And, you know, and, and so these converse. Yeah, exactly. You you laugh, you know, um, sad tears. Sad, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's just like, you know, is, is anybody having a conversation about like, why are you putting in only the bare minimum or why are you only giving that person the bare minimum? There are all sorts of conversations that need to be had, you know, over this that, you know, again, it just, it, uh, <laughs> that's what I feel like. Right <laughs> I was like, where's this going? What do you just have an aneurysm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because I, I mean, I, I, we've talked in the past about how, you know, I've like been killing myself over, you know, killing myself on projects, doing way too much overtime and things like that. And, and I am not on the side of the people who say, you should continue to, you, you should just put your head down, do the job, get it done until you're done. I really am on the side of the people who are quiet quitting because I've seen what it's done to me in just not being there or overworking and sacrificing sleep and things like that. And I sit there and I'm like, well, why, why do, why am I doing that? Or why am I 
putting myself through all of that. And I look at, and I have had this conversation, you know, with a couple of people when we were riding the bus at the uh, AIA convention while you were, you know, stuck in a booth and I was riding back to the hotel. I, you know, just started talking and, and you heard the, you, you heard the comments about, I just can't get, you know, people who just like put in those extra hours. It's just like, well, why are you asking them to? Mm, mm-hmm. Because of poor planning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting that our generation and the generations before us are addicted to workaholism. And this is one of the points in this book as well. I mean, it actually show that it is as addictive as other things like drugs like sugar like you know there's there's many examples of things that people can get addicted to work is absolutely one of them mm-hmm. mm. yeah and that is something that nobody's talking about here and and these are the the toxic cultures that people are now pushing back up against because they're like no i'm not going to do that and 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 who are the people there saying what do you mean they're the workaholics right and how many times how many times have i said to you Hey man, I've worked 84 hours this week. Almost saying it as some sense of pride of like, ha, 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 look at me, I've worked 84, you know, 84 hours. And you're just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you do that to yourself? Well, you're not, and you're not just doing it to yourself. Yeah. That's the point, right? You're doing it to your family, to the people who care, who you hang out with. You're doing it. You're showing it as an example to your team. You're leading by example. And, and like, I can't even tell you how many times this has come up just as an example with my kids where it's like one kid who's older does something. Guess what? All the younger ones want to do it too. Whether it was quote unquote, like, okay or not. Right. Like if, if they're pushing the limits in some way, you know, they're going out with their friend and they're riding in the passenger seat when they're not allowed to drive with a passenger under a certain age and they're talking about it. You're, you're not only, doing something you shouldn't be doing you're setting an example to all of your siblings in this case that 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 was okay yeah and so the same thing goes for this at a much where the stakes are way higher right as far as like just propelling this kicking this can down the road of like acceptable behavior yeah yes and and it actually just takes tons and tons of grit right to break that cycle that's what that's what leadership is though right it's like saying nope it's not okay and like i'm not going to do it anymore and I, here are the reasons i'm not going to do it and guess what there's just as many reasons that i just can't even cite right now cuz they're just not on my radar but they're there like these are invisible reasons there are invisible reasons for that kind of thing so yeah i mean i i understand the why the quiet quitting is happening uh the quiet firing i know there's a lot of legal stuff that companies aren't willing to risk right so they're just not sharing that information but i i i also understand why the ones who are the previous generations are complaining about it i don't i don't know where this is gonna like i think it's just gonna be an impasse right like what are the what's anybody these companies that can't attract talent are just going to wither up and die i i assume or or they're gonna have to figure out a new business model by outsourcing their stuff overseas or whatever Right. Because, you know, I mean, how many times have we, let's say Evan walks up and it's like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I, I put it by two weeks. Everybody else is like, you know, oh, man, why are you leaving? You know, you know, what went wrong? You know, why? You know, please don't leave. 
And then other people are thinking to themselves, like I would be thinking if I was like your PM and you came up and you said you're leaving, I'm like, oh crap, now I got to train somebody else. I don't have time to train somebody else and all this other stuff. Why didn't we take care of Evan, you know, while he was here? You know, why don't, we've said it before, but I mean, you know, why don't people invest in their people more than they invest in their projects? Because it's the people who are doing the projects. The lifeblood of the project. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I mean, that that is your special sauce at the company. It's actually those people. It's not it's not the projects because like those people are what's gonna make the project special and the next project and the next project. Yeah. I think we've got exhausted this one. I feel exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm gonna quietly fire you. Oh. I well I already quietly quit. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.